Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. We are in a series at the moment. This is the last week of a series called Meals with Jesus. And so we've been going through the book of Luke. There are a, There's a lot of eating, a lot of meals. And we're at this kind of meal, this last meal that Jesus has in the book of Luke. And the sort of theme of this meal is promises or promise. Now, I wonder, have you ever made a promise? The reality is we make promises every day, whether it's like little things like, I promise Pete, I'll definitely pick up that parcel for you. That's my husband. Um, Or I promise to be faithful to you. Big promises. I promise to never leave you. Promise to pick up some milk. I wonder if you've ever broken any promises. This is my embarrassing moment. Um, Probably the only time I've ever really been in trouble with my mum. I lied to my mum about where I was one night. I told her I was staying at a friend's house and I wasn't. If you want to know where I was, I'll tell you later. Um, I said to her, I'm staying at my friend Louise's house and it all went pretty well. I uh, didn't. I went out and, um, and she didn't know. But I think she had a little bit of a suspicion that I was lying to her. She's a very clever mum. And uh, she said to me, probably like the next day when I came back, she said, were you at Louise's house last night? I said, yeah, like so innocent. Yeah, I promise, yeah, yeah. Thinking, what, you know, oh gosh, she's found me out, she's found me out. I thought it was all fine. A few days later, mom, I got dropped off by my friend's mum, Louise, and I came into the house and my mum came out to say hi to her and just said, um, thanks for having Hannah the other night, New Year's Eve it was, thanks, thanks for having her. And Louise's mum said, oh, Hannah didn't stay. Some of the other girls said, Hannah didn't stay. My mum, she was like, don't worry, I knew that walked in and I've never been in so much trouble in my life. It was the, probably the one and only time I ever got grounded for two weeks. She was quite nice to me, but um, she's very, very clever. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, don't make promises you can't keep? Well, that is definitely true. Or I learned promises are meaningless unless you keep them. Well, our meal is all about promises, but not broken promises, fulfilled promises. And it's actually a meal where we get invited to be part of fulfilling probably the biggest promise of all time. So that's where we're going today. Let me give you a bit of sort of an overview of the story and a bit of background. Some of this we've covered over the last few weeks as we've looked at the book of Luke. We're right at the end of Luke's biography, so his story of Jesus' life. It's the culmination of the story. And we've had sort of an emotional few weeks as we've looked at the last meal Jesus ever had with his followers. He is arrested, tried and executed for being an insurrectionist and a heretic, basically meaning causing trouble and calling himself God. His lifeless body, Dan talked about last week, was taken down from the cross, put into a tomb, heavily guarded and covered by a massive stone. We haven't read it, but at the beginning of this chapter, we hear about some women going to the tomb to treat the dead body with spices, as was their custom. But they find it empty. They find it totally empty, absolutely gutted. Not only has their Jesus, their Messiah, the guy that they loved and followed, been killed, but now his body's been taken and they're totally shocked. 
But as I think Dan talked about, they meet some angelic beings that say, don't worry, why are you looking here? He's alive. Jesus is risen and totally shocked. They run back to their friends to tell them what's happened. And of course, like they don't believe it. These women, they're crazy. It must be the grief that's taken over them. But later that day, just before the bit that we've read, Jesus comes across two of his followers and they're leaving the city downtrodden, disappointed. They're going home. All their hopes have been dashed. And they don't realise it's him, but Jesus meets with them, walking with them, talking with them. And finally, as they share a meal together, they realise who Jesus is. And so they too, they run back to the city, back to the other followers, and they say, no, the women were right. The women were right. We've seen him. We've actually seen Jesus. And so we've had this crazy chapter 24 so far, and there's a lot more to go, where the women have seen angels. These two guys have seen Jesus. And actually, when they go back to the disciples, the disciples tell them, Simon's seen Jesus too. But you can imagine, if just a few of these guys at the front had seen a man raised from the dead, I wonder what you guys would all be thinking. You'd seen this guy that you'd put your hope in definitely killed on a Roman cross. A spear gone through his side. There was no doubt about it. You know that he's dead. But these guys, they're telling you they've actually seen him alive. And I wonder what you guys would be thinking. I wonder what you'd be doing. Imagine some introverts among you would be totally silent, like shocked, brains whizzing. It can't, it can't be, it can't be, not saying anything. And they're like, yeah, yeah, definitely we've seen him. And you guys, maybe the extroverts, are like, what, what? You're just asking loads and loads of questions. Where, what was it like? No, no way. Just sort of external processing. All of you, shocked, confused, as these guys tell you, they've seen a dead man walking alive. And in the midst of that confusion and doubt and like minds going crazy, something mad happens that leaves everyone speechless. Verse 36, suddenly Jesus himself is among them. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I imagine you'd be feeling anything but peace if a dead guy stood in front of you, risen from the dead. Like most of us, these believers could not get their heads around it. That is how crazy the resurrection is. Sometimes we think, oh, they probably were expecting it. It's weird now, but it wasn't weird then. That is not true. It was as weird then as it is now. They think this has got to be a ghost. It's it's got to be a spirit or something like that. There's no way a dead man can be alive. And you see this host of responses. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened. Verse 38, they were troubled and doubting. Verse 41, they were sort of joyful and amazed, but they still couldn't believe it. It It's like they were just totally shocked. Different ones of them feeling different things. Probably some of you feeling everything at once. And so what does Jesus do in the face of this confusion and doubt that he clearly sees before him? He says, look and touch me. He shows them his hands and his feet. It's as if he's saying to them, it's really me. Look, feel me, feel me. Look, look at my hands, look at my feet. It's really, it's really, really me. I've got flesh, I've got bones. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I'm here. 
But then he asked them an, a really strange question, and I wonder whether you've ever thought that as you've read this passage. He says to them, have you got anything to eat? It's like this death and resurrection thing. Gosh, it's hungry work. I'm starving. Pause a moment. I know you're confused, but will you just get me a meal? I need some dinner. And I wonder if he was a bit disappointed with the broad fish, wouldn't you be? And I like fish. I was saying something. Why does he do that? Why in the midst of all this confusion is it like, stop, we need to sit down and have dinner. I'm hungry. Well, I think it's because he knew they really, really needed to know that it was definitely him, that he was alive, that he was real, that it wasn't a spirit, it wasn't a ghost. Spirits and ghosts don't get hungry, they don't digest food, they don't eat. He needed them to know. He really, really, really was raised from the dead. It wasn't their imaginations. And again and again, as we've read the book of Luke, we see every meal, it's... The meal is so that people can encounter Jesus, so that they can meet him. And he knew in this moment that is what they needed. They needed to know him and meet him. They needed to touch him and hear him and see him, that he was walking, talking and eating in front of them. And that was massive because, you know, for us this is crazy. But for them, they were so utterly confused at this point. They were so confused. Not only had their friend died, but this was the guy they'd totally given their lives to. They'd given up everything. They'd followed him. They were basically homeless, following this guy around because they were sure that he, he, was, he was the guy. He was the guy that was going to change everything. They'd been waiting for hundreds of years for this Messiah, King, Saviour that was promised. They were under harsh Roman rule and they were totally desperate. And they were like, this is the guy. And then he goes and gets himself killed. And they're absolutely gutted and confused. And now they hear that maybe he's alive. And do you know, it wasn't just that he died that totally crushed them. It was that he was crucified. They were like, no Messiah of ours would die. And definitely no Messiah of ours would die on a cross like that in such a shameful way. And so you can imagine they were reeling and Jesus knew they needed to know it was really, really him. It wasn't their imagination. They had to be convinced. They had to see him eat before them and know and meet with him and encounter him. Why? Why was this so important to them? Why did they need to know that it was really him? Well, look at verse 44 with me. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. He says to them, this is exactly what I told you. This is what I told you about before everything had to be fulfilled. And actually, look at me. Everything has been fulfilled. He's standing before them saying, everything God said, everything that he promised, he has kept faithfully. God is faithful and I am the proof Here in front of you, eating, walking, talking. You can even touch me. He's showing them that 
everything God has promised has been fulfilled in him. And you know, they really, really needed to know that. They really, really needed to know that because in the days and weeks and months and years ahead, they were going to face challenges that they could never imagine. Most of them were going to be, oh, wow. Most of them were going to be killed just like the guy they'd followed. They were going to be stoned and abused and their businesses were going to be shut down because the faith in this guy, he needed them to know God has been faithful to his promises and God will be faithful to every promise he's ever made to you. I am the proof. I'm standing in front of you eating and walking and speaking. And listen, for us, this is a huge encouragement Standing in the midst of history, in the in-between, between the promise being fulfilled that Jesus would die and be raised, but still the rest of the promise is not yet fulfilled. He hasn't yet returned. Death hasn't been defeated. Sickness hasn't been removed. We're still in suffering and times of doubt and disappointment. We're in the midst of history, waiting in the in-between, between the promise fulfilled, but the rest yet to be fulfilled. And we... We need to cling to this. This is a historical moment that we can hold on to when we're in those times of doubt and suffering and difficulty. He's been faithful to us. God has been faithful to his promises. The resurrection totally proves that in history. He will be faithful. And I know some of your stories, not all of you, and I know like right now times are really hard for you. And some of you, it's really, really difficult. But the resurrection shows us God will be faithful. He will be faithful to the rest of the promises. And today, I just feel like, again, we need to encounter the risen Jesus. He is here by his spirit, and we'll talk more about that. And it's him, as he sort of stands before us saying, I'm really here, that we can know God has been faithful, and he will be faithful to keep every promise he's ever made to us. And listen, if you're not a Christian here, and it's great to have you, it's great that you're here sort of checking out the church and hopefully checking out Jesus. The resurrection that Jesus rose from the dead is the cornerstone of our faith. Without the resurrection, it's all meaningless, even though Jesus was a cool guy and he did amazing stuff and he said he died for our sins, but unless he was raised again, we can't know that. And so if you're here and you're sort of looking in and you're thinking, is this guy who he said he was? I'd encourage you, check out the resurrection. Like historically, check it out. Check out the evidence. Because if Jesus really was raised from the dead, then it proves everything he said about himself. And my hope for you is that you will encounter Jesus today and it will totally change your life like it has mine. So at this meal, firstly, they encounter the risen Jesus and it proves God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. But secondly, as I said, it's a big claim. They get invited to be part of fulfilling perhaps the biggest promise ever made in history. Look at verse 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The first part of the promise, Jesus' suffering, death and resurrection, they've seen. He's right in front of them. God's definitely been faithful to that promise. But now it says 
The rest of the promise is that forgiveness through Jesus is going to be preached to all nations. And you know, this isn't a new promise. Actually, it's probably the oldest promise God has ever made. Look at Genesis 12, 2 to 3. This is the first promise God makes with a man ever, and he's a man called Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In that moment of covenant, God is moment of promise, God is saying to this man called Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make you eventually into the people of Israel. That's who Abraham is a father of. And you will bless the whole nations of the earth. That was God's promise to this man. The most famous king of Israel, David, sung this song in Psalm 84. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. And the prophet Isaiah spoke of the future, the fulfillment of this promise in Isaiah 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. This is an age-old promise. It had always been that God's people would be a blessing to all the nations. That was always how God had intended it. He wanted them to show the nations what it was like to live under God's perfect rule and reign and in relationship with him. He wanted the people of God to invite the nations in to experience what it was like to live under that rule and reign. But instead, the people of God just ended up like those nations, turning away from God, not living under God's blessing. They were no blessing at all. They totally failed. But God's promise was always that. It was always that the nations would be blessed. And it's as if Jesus is saying to them, I've risen and now that promise is going to be fulfilled, but it's going to be fulfilled through you. You are the witnesses of these things. At this meal, he's inviting them to fulfill the greatest promise in history, to bless the nations, but now it's through him. And do you know, that invitation is for us too. We are now the people of God. We are now the witnesses of the risen Jesus. And you know, this promise has not been fulfilled yet. The nations have not yet heard about Jesus. There are still countries that have no Bible, have no church, have no way of knowing about Jesus. People that will never hear unless witnesses of Jesus go and share the blessing of God with them. But it's hard and it's difficult and There's many nations at the moment, there's no one to go. No one that's willing to give up everything for Jesus. Jesus says the rest of the promise will be fulfilled, but it's fulfilled through you. And that is a massive challenge. And I guess my sort of concern, this is for me and for us, is that it's really easy, I guess, to become a bit cold-hearted and apathetic towards this kind of call, the call of God on our lives. And and I, maybe this is just me, but I think for lots of us, Jesus and the Christian faith can very quickly just become our comfort blanket and the answer to all our problems. Jesus makes our life great. You know, that's that seems to be, well, where I end up, I just want to be comfortable. He, he comforts me, and he does. He's my friend, and he is. 
But do you see, in this moment, in their moment of doubt, literally they've been through a hellish few days, he appears to them and almost the first thing he says is, you are my witnesses, you're going to go out and bless the nations. They come to him and that's like, even when they're probably still crying about his death, they're still grieving and he's like, but this is what I've called you to. And I guess my fear for us is, particularly in the Western church where life is pretty good, And my fear for myself is that I will become so comfortable and Jesus will just be my friend and Christianity will just be the thing that comforts me and makes my life nice. And if we give in to that, life, one, is going to be very boring. We're going to be very disappointed because life actually isn't that easy following Jesus. And we're just going to become selfish and apathetic people. And I think God's called us to much, much more than that. He's given us a huge, huge vision. And actually, it's a massive adventure. Whether that is for some of you to give up your lives and go to nations where who've never heard and you'll live basically in poverty and you'll learn a language that no one else in the world speaks apart from these few people to give your life to them. For some of you, that is what fulfilling this promise looks like. But for others of us, it just means selling ourselves out right where we are, giving our money generously to God's call, to live in areas where no one has hope for, to be friends with people that no one really likes, because we're willing to give up our lives to fulfill this promise. And I just feel like Jesus wants to gently ask us again, like, will you go for me? Will you go for me? Whether that's far away or right here? Will you give up everything for me? Because actually that is the call of Christianity and I just, we need to remember that today. It's not an, it's not an easy life. That isn't, what, that isn't what being a Christian means. And if you're not a Christian, I need to tell you that if you're going to become a Christian, it's not an easy life you're going to sign yourself up to. It's actually death. It's giving yourself totally for the call of Jesus. It's a hard call, but we have encountered the risen Jesus, God himself, in flesh, killed and then raised from the dead. And it's worth it. I think it's worth it. But we still have a bit of a problem because I know myself and I actually know quite a lot of you, no offence, we're a little bit of an ill-equipped bunch. We're not that bright, are we? Let's be honest. We're not that great at speaking and persuading. We're weak and frail. We don't know much. And that's, that's a bit of a problem because this is a massive, massive promise that we're called to fulfill. But there's good news. Jesus gives them one last promise that changes everything. Verse 49. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city till you have been clothed with power from on high. He says, like, don't worry about it. You don't need to worry. Yeah, you're really weak. You're really frail. You're not very clever. But it's okay. It's going to be okay because actually what's going to happen in just a few days is you're going to receive power from heaven. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you and fill you and equip you and everything will be changed. In Acts 1, in the next letter that Luke writes, he, he talks about that same event, but using slightly different words. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. And you know, it totally happened. 
A few days later, in Acts 2, we hear all of them were gathered together and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was like crazy. There was tongues of fire. There was speaking crazy languages. The Holy Spirit really did come and empower this small group of frail, scared people. And the result was 3,000 people from all over the world were added to the church. That would be a discipleship problem, a nightmare if that happened. It was crazy. This guy Peter spoke about this Jesus and instead of them stoning him like he probably thought they would, they fell on their knees and said, please, we want to we believe, we want to repent, we want to be baptized. It was absolutely crazy. The promise began to be fulfilled as soon as the Spirit came. Those scared disciples turned into the people that ended up taking the gospel to basically the whole Roman Empire within a generation. It's unbelievable. And all because they received the Holy Spirit. They became those that performed crazy miracles, healed people, raised the dead, set people free from demons. They became these amazing preachers, even though they hadn't even really been to school because the Holy Spirit changed everything. And we live after that event. We live after the Holy Spirit came. And so as believers, we now have the Spirit of God himself within us. The power of heaven within us and available to us. And do you know, I am so challenged by this. Even this morning, I was like, I am experiencing like a tiny bit of this. I know there is more for me. I know there is more power from heaven available so that I, so that we can be part of fulfilling this promise. Do you know, it's amazing to be part of a church like this where we, like we are sending people to the nations. It's so exciting. We've sent, I think there are some pictures, we've sent Stephen Leanne Vaughan and Craig to Dublin. Absolutely amazing. We're about to send Becky Creamer for the High Park Kennedy Gathering to Gothenburg to be part of it. It's in Sweden, by the way. To be part of a church plant. And we've sent the Hobbses to China and we've sent the Simbais here in Zambia. There's so much God's doing amongst us. And I know whether that's going or staying, there's so much happening right here. I know many of you are in mission groups who are reaching out to those who don't know Jesus. They're among you, that you're witnessing to friends and neighbours of Jesus. And some of them are actually coming on intro and becoming Christians. And it's totally amazing. And you're doing the food bank and job club and acorns where you're sharing the gospel of Jesus. And it's working. People are coming to faith in him. And it's totally amazing. But if we are to fulfill this promise, there is so much more and we can't just get settled and apathetic. We need to keep going and keep going and keep going empowered by the Spirit. At this meal, we encounter the risen Jesus and he stands before us as proof that God is faithful. And no matter how hard things are, God will be faithful. We're invited to be part of fulfilling the greatest promise in history to bless the nations and it's exciting and hard all at once but we receive the promised spirit who empowers us for mission and when you read the end of the passage it ends with worship it ends with these followers they see Jesus return to heaven and they worship him they go away glad they go away full of joy from doubt to joy because they've met him and they've received this amazing exciting promise and I want to ask you today, just as we finish, will you be part of what God is doing in the earth? Will you give yourself totally to fulfilling this promise? And that's like a serious question because it costs a lot. But will you receive the Spirit afresh today? We need that. We need to keep receiving the Spirit.
being filled with the Spirit. And listen, if you're not a Christian, please check this out. Check out the resurrection. Check out Jesus. I'm so glad you're here. Keep doing that because I believe when you encounter Jesus, he'll totally change your life. Thank you.